The following is a presentation from WDEV Radio. Fast paced. It's like a good two minute drill. We are just boom, 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 right down the field. Opinionated. If they take the David Price savings and the Mookie Betts savings and pocket the money, it will have been a lie and the fan base will be furious. To the point. Cam is not that guy. He's not the kind of athlete that works in today's NFL for the most part. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Brady Farkas Show on a Monday right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. 40-minute show today going up to Red Sox and Royals right here on WDEV. Sox sweep away the Yankees. It was a beautiful thing. It was an unbelievable weekend. Sox pummeled Garrett Cole yesterday. I have not been happier at all this Red Sox season. I'm like, Garrett, did you need the spider tack? Sox all over him. Kike Homer, Vasquez Homer, J.D. Homer, Devers Homer. Boom, boom, boom. Red Sox with a sweep. We'll get into some of the best parts of the Red Sox weekend, even off the field. The best part of the weekend wasn't even the sweep of the Yankees. It was what happened with Dustin Pedroia. And Jacob Grout, former Harwood hockey coach, will be with us as well in about 545. We have no time to waste, so let's get going. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber, and they are online at Sticks and Stuff. Dot com. You know, what a weekend in sports. Some of it great when you look at the Red Sox sweep of the Yankees, when you look at Dustin Pedroia getting inducted into the Red Sox Hall of Fame in a great ceremony on Friday. We'll get to that momentarily. And some of it not so great when you talk about what happened at the College World Series. And intern Jack is in here. And um, Jack, I want to bounce a couple things off you and bounce around in a couple of different ways here on this short edition of the show. Um, the College World Series situation is just completely infuriating to me. The College World Series final begins tonight, and Vanderbilt is going to be in it. And I really don't know if Vanderbilt should be in it. So if you miss this, NC State is allowed to play on Friday, despite having some positive COVID tests. Then they are told that there's more COVID issues, and they cannot play their elimination game on Saturday. So basically, they have to forfeit, and Vandy gets the automatic berth into the championship series, which begins tonight. First and foremost, I am gutted for NC State to go this far, to work this hard, and battle all the adversity you battled, every athlete battled this season, and have a chance to win a championship, and then have it taken it from you in this manner at the very end is just gutting. But also what's infuriating to me is the NCAA here. The NCAA lets North Carolina State play on Friday despite COVID issues. Then issues a statement at 2.10 in the morning on Saturday morning. Okay, 2.10 in the morning, they issue a statement saying that NC State can no longer play. And they say nothing else about it through the course of the weekend. I get it. Okay, the NCAA is liable for these players, so they have to do what they think keeps these players safe. I can understand that, even respect and appreciate that. But to hide behind a statement at 2.10 in the morning is just completely unacceptable to me, Jack. I mean, 
I'm gutted for NC State. I am just beyond upset at how the NCAA handled this. Where is the NCAA answering questions and giving out information when it's needed? Here we are, championship series day, and I don't know if we have the right team in Vanderbilt playing tonight. These kinds of things are not new. I mean, this is just this is just the extension of the year that we had, Brady. It's not the first time that this has happened in college athletics either. St. Lawrence, uh, men's hockey, they were forced out of the ECAC championship game because of a positive COVID test. And Quinnipiac University actually took their place uh, in, in, the, in the tournament. So it, it, it's not the first time that it's happened in college sports this year. It's a little bit of a larger scale, though. Baseball is a, you know, it's, it's one of the, it's, one, it's, it's, it's much more universally recognized across uh, you know sports fans and so for this to happen at this time I agree like two two ten in the morning it's it's very it's very sticky it doesn't seem like a very uh well thought out process by the NCAA it's also an outdoor sport and look I'm not saying that COVID doesn't exist anymore and I'm not saying that COVID never existed I've I've been as you know as conservative as anybody throughout the pandemic so if they truly can't play, then you know, then so be it. But the NCAA needs a better explanation as to what went down here with this decision-making process. Because again, NC State was allowed to play on Friday. If they were deemed okay to play on Friday, what happened between Friday and Saturday to make it not okay for them to play on Saturday? And I, I also think that this is unfair in this regard. Vanderbilt, by not having to play on Saturday, now comes out of the loser's bracket and gets to set up their pitching in a perfect way heading into the championship series. I mean, Jack Leiter, potential top five pick in the major league draft, is going to now have six full days of rest heading into tonight's game and you know heading into this series. So that is a problem for me. I don't know how you feel about this, but if NC State had nine players available, that game should have been played just for the sake of Vanderbilt needing to use their pitching. I don't it, care if NC State has nine bullpen arms available that have to go out and play, go play positions, and they get beat 27 to nothing. But Vanderbilt should have to play that game on Saturday and utilize pitching because now a team that lost early in the tournament ends up with a massive competitive advantage heading into the championship series tonight. Usually in these situations that we've seen in college sports this past winter, it was you had a positive test within the tier one, you know, members of, of the, of the team or the organization there, that is not anywhere in the statement that the NCAA put out, making you wonder who or who, what came in contact, uh, if anything with the virus. And like you said, it's an outdoor sport. And it's also, you know, it's also extremely warm out. Virus doesn't thrive in warm air. So it, it does seem a little bit like a, like a, like a head scratcher to, to anyone who's playing. And to your point, I mean, college rosters in baseball, they have, you know, 30 guys, uh, excess of 35, 30 guys 35 players. Exactly. So like there's, this isn't major league baseball where you only have 25 guys. And if you lose nine, then you're really, then you're really uh, in a pickle. You know, they could easily have fielded a team. Uh, maybe they wouldn't have done as well, but it does. It makes you scratch your head, especially at such a crucial time. And you feel bad for those seniors as well who don't get to play and make a run for uh, a national championship. Well, the College World Series final 
begins tonight. And uh, we're going to have the Jacob Grout interview here that we've been teasing all weekend coming up here momentarily. I'm very, very excited to talk with Jacob Grout, now officially former boys hockey coach at Harwood High School. We talked a lot about it for the last four months. We talked a lot about it on Friday's show. So Jacob Grout will be with us here in a couple of minutes. But Jack, you know, Red Sox-Yankees was awesome this weekend, obviously, right? Sox sweep the Yanks and with that, they are unbeaten against the Yankees this year. But as good as it was with the final results of these three games, I actually thought the best part of the weekend actually happened off the field Friday night with the Dustin Pedroia ceremony. Before game one of the series, a game in which the Red Sox eventually won 5-3 in a, you know, a, a sloppy at times, but overall well-played game. The best moment came before the game, Dustin Pedroia inducted into the Red Sox Hall of Fame. Uh, they waived the three-year retirement period to get PD in there. Mm-hmm. I thought it was some powerful stuff. You know, Pedro Martinez was there on the field. Louis Tiant was there on the field. David Ortiz delivered a, a pretty strong two-plus-minute video um, in Pedroia's honor. I, I thought it was very classily done. And, you know, the guys on WDEV, Will Fleming and company, were saying nobody does a – a presentation, nobody does a ceremony like the Red Sox. They really don't. And <laughs> I think back to when Pedro got his number retired and when Poppy got his number retired and Wade Boggs as well, and the Veritech ceremony from 10 years ago. The Red Sox have always been a class act at recognizing the best players uh, from, at least from my childhood. Pedroia was my favorite player growing up. He is the reason why I wore 15 all the way through high school in, in baseball. So uh, to see him get recognized and get the the dedication from the team that he so deserves, it, it really makes, it really, it, it, it made me, you know, a little bit emotional because dang, that was a guy that played the game right. 162 games, if he could do it, you know, he, of course he played so hard that he actually ended up playing himself off the field. Uh, and it was just so awesome to see him, to see him tearing up and when Poppy was out there. And the best part for me was that Jacoby Ellsbury was out there in a Red Sox jersey mm. while he's still collecting paychecks <laughs> from the New York Yankees. That was the ultimate kick in the pants uh, to any New York fan. Big Poppy says a couple of things that are, that are pretty profound. He said that when I was coming up, all I heard about was the big guys. You showed me that it didn't have to be the big guys, that it was just about who had the biggest heart. And I thought that was powerful. And I also thought it was interesting that Poppy said, if I could choose one teammate to play the rest of my career with, it would be you. And I'm not here to just rank Red Sox greats in that regard, but like I thought Poppy was real close with Manny and I thought Poppy was real close with Pedro. And there he was choosing Pedroia over both of them. Part of me is like, this was in the moment for Big Poppy, and Big Poppy's he's got the biggest heart out of everybody, and, and he's got the biggest heart for anybody in the city of Boston, right? For me, part of that is he's just saying that, but, you know, Pedro played every five days, you know, yeah. he's not going out there, he's not taking the field, you know, 162 games. Manny was controversial in his time with Boston, you know, he, he had a couple, he had the trade rumors that surrounded him for years, he May have he may have or may not have faked a knee injury that ended up getting him traded to the Dodgers. Um, and Pedroia, he never complained. You know, he was the guy that tore his thumb on opening day in 2013 and then played 160 games uh, or something like that and then won the World Series. I mean, that's the grinder that Pedroia was. And I think Big Poppy was also that kind of grinder. If you remember, 
Big Poppy's last season at 40 years old. He barely was get, yeah, he was getting to the ballpark an hour before everybody else so that he could get his feet treated. Um, and then also led the league in doubles, not a big deal, right? So um, that's the kind of guy that I think Poppy looks up to. And Big Poppy has the same kind of underdog story that Pedroia has, right? Pedroia was the under undersized guy that came out of California and didn't get uh, a ton of looks. And Big Poppy was cut early in his career with Minnesota. So, uh, you know, they both have that same underdog mentality. I like what he said, but again, yeah, it makes you be like, dang, you know, Pedro brought Poppy to the Sox and Manny was, you know, his, his best friend as well. And they were the best three, four hitters in baseball for a stretch. And, but he picked Pedroia and I, I don't disagree with him, but yeah, it, it does. It makes you, it makes you think for a second. Check a couple things for me here as we, uh, as we kind of close on this conversation, tell me exactly what year Poppy got to the Red Sox. 2003. Okay, so 2003, that's what I thought. So I think there's some some longevity play here too at play. Like 03 to, you know, 17 essentially. You're talking about 14 years where Poppy was on the field with Pedroia all the time. Like we have a little bit of revisionist history. Like yes, he's super close to Pedro and yes, he was super close to Manny. He really didn't play with them for that long. I mean, Pedro got True. to the Red Sox in what, 90, like 97? Yeah. So, and he was out by like 04, 05. He was only he there for seven yeah, years. So, he signed as a free agent with the Mets at the end of 2004. Okay. So, that's what, so you're only looking at two years there where actually Pedro and Poppy played together. And Manny was there obviously beyond, but it, it wasn't that long either. I mean, it was probably a four or five year run for Poppy with Manny in Boston. So certainly longevity's sake, you could understand why he's partial to Pedroia because he was there so long. I think, you know, this is not an original thought. This is not some, you know, groundbreaking take that I'm about to say, but people love Pedroia because he just embodies the city of Boston. You know, he's not flashy. He's tough. He's gritty. He's got an edge. He's got an attitude. And, you know, that's something that resonates in New England. People don't, people didn't like David Price because he came in entitled and he came in combative. And New England likes when you're combative, but not when you're combative against your own kind. And that's who David Price was combative against. So uh, when you talk about who the face of Boston sports is, well, you know, it's not Pedroia now because he's been out so long, but for a time, he really did embody what Boston is all about. And it's part of the reason why I think Red Sox fans love Chris Sale, even though Sale isn't living up to his contract. And even though he hasn't been around, he's been hurt a lot. He's just that tough SOB. And that resonates with Boston. And that's what Pedroia is now still and was for a really long time. It is. And I said this you know when Pedroia announced his retirement you know if you took his career and you took Derrick Rose's career they look very very similar rookie of the year MVP very young age two very promising careers that if they had just stayed healthy they could have been two of the best ever at their respective positions in their respective sports Pedroia's last four years that he was uh that he was really playing uh, over 100 games he was still hitting 296, you know, yeah. had an OPS plus of 108, was not an all-star for any of those years. He was overlooked by Robinson Cano and Jose Altuve during the last few years of his of his, of his prime. Um, but if he was an all-star and if he was on the field 160 games, 
we're easily looking at Dustin Pedroia uh, getting enshrined in Cooperstown. And maybe in a few years, we could see his number up on the right field facade at Fenway Park. And I think his number should be retired. I've said oh, that absolutely. from the start. I've said that before he actually retired or before his career took a downturn. I think that it's clear that Pedroia should get his number 15 retired. I think he's incredibly influential to the best part of Red Sox history. He was there for nearly all of the best parts of Red Sox history. I mean, what, he won World Series in 07, 13, and he was on the roster in 18. <clears throat> um, I think what Pedroia, I, I think Pedroia, um, for what he represented on the field, multi-time, you know, four-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glover, MVP, as you said, Rookie of the Year, his his credentials on the field lead him to that. And then, you know, again, the whole embodiment of the city and what he meant off the field as well. All right, it is the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Now I want to get to our interview, an interview I'm very excited about. Uh, we, we thought on Friday we wanted to make it happen. Over the weekend, we were able to come together and come up with a time that works, and uh, it is right now. Joining us now is Jacob Grout, the now former, officially, boys varsity hockey coach over at Harwood. Uh, we've covered this story extensively for the last couple of months. He was fired for an inappropriate text message in February that he sent to his team filled with some expletives. Um, appealed, was told he'd get an investigation into the case, then ultimately will not get an investigation into the case. And uh, I've had strong opinions on it throughout. Jacob is with us now. And Jacob, I appreciate the time. And, and simply put, it's been four months. How do you feel now after all this? Uh it's a little bit of the weight off the shoulder. I mean, I'll be honest, the last couple of months, I haven't really been thinking about it because I didn't really think I was ever going to get the job back, uh, just the way everything was playing out. Um, you know, as I kind of mentioned with Lisa in, a, in an interview with her, and I think I mentioned to you, um, you know, I, I understand I got fired for the swearing in the text message, um, but... I guess I just didn't get any clarity as to regards as to why they thought that was one-time offense. The language was deserved immediate firing. That's the only, if they could have given me the flat out explanation as to why that was a step they thought they had to take, then okay, I'm, I'm good with it. Like I, I'll take my, my beatings and, and I move on, but I would at least like to have the chance to have them explain that to me. Yes. I had a, a meeting, you know, with them at the beginning, which was with Chris and one of the principals where they basically just, you know, the principal basically said, okay, we're going to have you not have anything to do with the team. And then here we are now. Um, there was never the thought process behind why they made the decision they made. And that's the, really towards the end. That's all I really wanted. Um, and I just never, I never got that part. I understand that I'm not the coach anymore. And I understand, I totally understand get why I'm not the coach. In to an extent, but like I said, just the clarity of why they thought that was the best decision to make, even after the players spoke up for me. Jacob, you said that you never really thought you were going to get the job back, but uh, again, you go through the appeal process. You're told there's going to be an investigation into this case. Did you ever allow yourself at any point through this process to get excited about the chance of getting your job back again, or did you always think we were going to end up in this place? The day, the couple of days leading up to the championship game, to be honest, um, you know, I thought that was going to be the moment when they would say, okay, maybe these boys need him for that game because of what everything that went on prior to that game. Maybe this is the time put Jacob Grout back in there and 
we'll deal with whatever after the fact, whether or not in the following seasons I was to be the coach anymore, who knows? Um, but that night, I mean, I was ready to go up to, up to, uh, the Barry, uh, wherever it was, they played the BOR. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was ready to go that night. I went down and met with the boys, gave them a normal pregame pep talk, um, sent them off the best way I could. Um, and then went home and was watching the board meeting and waiting for them to say, yep, he can go up. And I was going to jump in my truck and head up there. Um, but to have them say that there was no, there was no pressure into making the decision that night. That was the exact moment I knew this is never going to happen. Throughout this whole process, you've had a lot of support, both from your players and from the community at large. What has that meant to you? It's been insane. Like, you know, I want to take this time. I was hoping I was going to get this chance and you brought it up um, mm-hmm. to just thank everybody for that. Uh, you know, yes, I grew up here, but you, you don't know the kind of impact you have on people until a situation like this arises. And I think I said it best in a Facebook post. Um, basically, I got to see my eulogy uh, and not have died. Like this, the kind of stuff that people were saying about me is the kind of stuff that people say to you at your funeral. And you never get the chance to actually hear it. Um, so that, you know, that that meant a lot to me. Um, you know, what this is the reason why I decided to stay in this community. This is why I never wanted to leave. Uh, this is the kind of community that Waterbury, Duxbury, Moortown, Waitsfield, you know, all around here is. Um, and it, it's just it's an incredible place. And that's why I want to raise my kid here. Well, kids now. I heard you got another one on the way. So very much uh, congratulations to you and your family on that. So uh, looking forward to another uh, generation of route hockey players. Um, But sticking to the subject at hand, you and I may be wired pretty differently. I've said this on the air that I would have reached a point in this process where I didn't want the job back anymore. Did you ever reach that point or did you always hope you'd get it back? I got, I, I finally got to the point. And I think the point was, I think that night of that championship game when they basically put me on the back burner and, you know, talking with players after that game, I got a couple, you know, some of them said that I would have been the difference maker, just like not, not in regards to X's and O's or anything, but just morale wise putting me back on the bench would have put them over the edge and we would have been fine. I mean, they lost one of their top guys, Skylar Platt, um, due to a, an emergency surgery. So it was just a lot of things there. And that moment when they said that there was no rush to make a decision, that's when I basically said, I, I don't want this back. You you have set the precedence of how you actually feel about your coaches, that we are expendable. We make one mistake and we're done. Former Harwood Boys hockey coach Jacob Grout with us here on a Monday on the Brady Farkas Show and WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. What are your feelings and emotions now towards the school board and the school administrators that didn't want this case to be reopened? Uh, I mean, I I don't hold grudges. I, I, I don't. Everybody has their own opinions on why they make the decisions they do. Um, I'm not going to see those. I mean, I'll be honest. If I saw those people going down the street, even though I watched in the zoom meetings, I wouldn't know who they were. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. likewise. I doubt they would know who I was other than wearing my Jake Grout hat. Um, <laughs> they may know that, but um, you know, there's no, I mean, there's a little sourness as to, you could see I personally who I thought jumped on board with kind of trying to sweep this under the rug, but 
it's at the end of the day, it's, it's no sweat off my back, but they made their decision the way they wanted to. And, you know, I, you can only hope for the best and obviously it didn't turn out that way. Jacob, how has this story impacted you in the community? You live in the community, you have a business in the community. Has this saga impacted you at all negatively in the community? Uh, no, uh, I had one customer who she was an absolute sweetheart of a woman. <laughs> um, she brought it up her, her grant or great neat, uh, nephews I coached in the past. And she basically said, do you want my opinion? I said, yeah, absolutely. I'll hear everybody's opinion. I don't care. And she's like, you were in the wrong. And I accepted that. I'm not, ne- I've never once denied that I was wrong in what I did. Um, and I've never denied that I didn't deserve a punishment uh, to be completely terminated. I don't think was the punishment, but business wise, it hasn't affected me, but that was a major concern of mine at the beginning. Um, how is this going to affect me? Am I, am I going to look like the bad guy? Like, are people going to say, Oh, he, you know, he swears at kids. We don't, we don't want him in our house working on our stuff, but that that's never once been the case. You know, I've had many customers, you know, Tell me, hey, keep the head up. We're on your side. You know, you were wrong, but this is not going to affect you business-wise. It's time to move on and, and, and take care, you know, obviously take care of your business. Throughout the course of the last couple of months, I have used the word bullied a lot. I felt like the school community was bullied into firing you in the first place after the initial complaint came through about your text message. I felt like the school board was bullied um, by the people with the petition to get you your job back. And I felt like they were bullied by the school administrators who didn't want you to get the job back and had the case reopened again. Do you feel that bullied is a fair term for me to use? Uh, it's, I, I definitely see how you're seeing it. Uh, you know, the termination at the beginning, I can't say that that was anything bullied. You know, at the beginning, I thought I never got the chance to see the email until maybe a couple months in. Then I saw the email. As you spoke to uh, prefacing this interview, um, there was nothing in that email that said, I want Jacob Grout fired. There's nothing. Um, So this is solely, I mean, maybe there's something in the background. I don't know. But the one information that, or one email that is based on, uh, this was the administration making that call. Uh, So I don't think there was any bullying in regards to that. but obviously, 1,300 people speaking up on my behalf, that's going to sway a decision one way. Um, and then to have all those principals speak up and basically say they don't want anything looked into, that definitely rubbed me the wrong way when I saw that. Um, I, 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 yeah, I didn't like that part at all. Bullying, yeah, I mean, because there's a, there's a huge, uh, there's a broad definition of bullying, you know, the, this day and age. So I can see this falling under that of you do this or else kind of thing. You mentioned the complaint, the initial parent complaint about your text message. It did not call for you to be fired. It did say that they thought you needed to be punished, but it did not call for you explicitly to be fired. When you found out that that message did not call for your firing, but you were fired anyways, how did it make you feel? That definitely cut the blood boiling. Um But, you know, like I said, I've been saying it all along. Yeah, I was frustrated with the person who made the complaint at the beginning because she didn't bring it to me um, or bring it to the athletic director. You know, this was an athletic issue, but everybody's entitled to their complaint. I'm not I'm not here to stop anybody from complaining about anything I did. Um, 
but the way the administration did it took care of it they they didn't get they i didn't get a chance i got a brief moment to explain myself but that was basically an apology that i was able to give them um and then that was it uh it just I don't, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me as to why that was the conclusion they jumped to off of that email alone. Well, a lot of things throughout this process haven't made sense to me. So I kind of leave you with this. What's next? You mentioned another kid on the way, a young one that you already have. Do you want to coach again? Or has this whole experience kind of sullied you on the whole business of it all? Uh, this definitely soured my opinion about being a coach again. Um, you know, being a coach, it is not a frugal business. Like you do not make a lot of money doing yeah. this. This is all about the passion of it. Um, and the group of guys that I was able to have the last two years, they're the exact reason as to why people get into coaching. They're the reason why people stick with it day in, day out. Nobody sees the hours that go into it. Um, but this kind of showed me that no matter how much passion or anything you bring to it, you're you can be cut at any moment so i got the other kid on the way i got my family you know as it is right now with one two and a half year old who is just full of energy um he deserves more of my attention than a an administration that doesn't doesn't respect anything that their coaches do jacob grout now former boys hockey coach at harwood played at harwood coached at harwood stayed in the community and uh, Jacob, man, we appreciate your time. I'm sure this has not been easy on you or your family, but you've been very, very transparent with us. You've spoken to other media outlets as well about this story. And uh, now you go about the rest of your life. So appreciate your openness, your willingness to come on. And uh, good luck in the future. We'll talk to you again. I appreciate it. And there goes Jacob Grout, former voice hockey coach at Harwood. Always appreciate his time. Let's step aside, get a CBS News update. We'll come right back. Boston Celtics. If you wanted Marcus Smart gone, I think you're going to be very disappointed. That's next on DEV. This is WDEV, Vermont's news station. Owned and operated by the Radio Vermont Group. From the top of Sugarbush, 96.1 FM, WDEV, Warren and Waitsfield. 96.5 W243, Barry, 98.3 W252, CU, Montpelier. Along with our founding station, AM550, WDEV, Waterbury, Montpelier. Streaming at WDEVradio.com. 89 years of serving Vermont. The friendly pioneer, WDEV. Make your opinion heard by texting onto the Brady Farkas Show at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. All right, welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on a Monday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. A couple minutes left before we get you out to Red Sox baseball. Sox sweep away the Yankees, and now they get the Royals, who, look, they sometimes you just don't get this team, right? The Red Sox have the ability to play great against the Yankees, run beaten against them. They also got beat two out of three by these same Royals just, uh, you know, last week so uh, we'll see what happens here big series ahead they're all big series with Red Sox as they battle the Yankees as they battle the Blue Jays as they battle the Rays they're all big series but uh so what I am very very excited based on what we saw this weekend they pitched well Evaldi was phenomenal on Saturday the bullpen was stout when you look at what Adovino did and when you look at what uh you know Barnes continues to do throughout the course of the season I, I am very excited about this team I still don't know 
if they're the best team in the division. But I know that Erod pitched well yesterday. I know that the offense came alive. I know they got to Garrett Cole, and I know that they were able to welcome back a sellout crowd on Friday, and uh, that was just awesome. So Red Sox Royals coming up this week from Fenway Park. And we're sending a couple listeners to games uh, this week as well. So uh, pumped about another Red Sox series coming up here uh, with the pregame show a couple of minutes from now. I do want to get to a note here on the Boston Celtics. If you are thinking, if you are someone that wanted Marcus Smart gone, if you are somebody that wanted Jalen Brown traded for Bradley Beal, I think you're going to be sorely disappointed. As we learn more and more about the Celtics hiring of Ime Odoka, it looks like the Celtics aren't going to make drastic changes to the roster because we found out that Brad Stevens asked the opinion of Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, guys that had played for Udoka on Team USA. You don't ask for opinions if you don't think that people are going to be around, okay? You don't, you know, if you're about to break up with your girlfriend, you don't ask about plans at Christmas, okay? If it's June 28th, you don't ask for plans at Christmas if you have no plans of being together at Christmas, If you were going to get rid of Marcus Smart, if you were going to get rid of Jalen Brown, I don't know that you're going to go and talk to them about their gut feeling on potentially hiring Ime Odoka. The fact that they were consulted, the fact that this appeared to be a collaborative hiring process leads me to believe that they're going to be there. Yes, Brad Stevens could have just been crowdsourcing information, but if he's going to principal players and asking for their opinion on the direction of the franchise, it leads me to believe that they are part of the direction of the franchise. And I think that that's the right move. This Celtics team, I believe, is good. I don't know that they're championship good. In fact, I don't think they're championship good. But I also don't think they're a complete rebuild, and I don't think they need to make drastic changes. The reason the Celtics are not still playing, as far as I'm concerned, COVID issues and injuries. I don't think it was ever prudent to just break up the team. Now, they've traded away Kemba Walker. I was in favor of keeping Kemba and hoping that he was healthy this year. But they have traded away Kemba Walker, and now I think they have an opportunity to go and sign Alonzo Ball. Kevin Herter from Atlanta is a restricted free agent. They, they have opportunities to go out and do things with the roster, but I don't think getting rid of everybody was ever the right course of action here. And the fact that It was a collaborative hiring process. Leads me to believe that Brad Stevens is listening to his team, values the input of his team, but also has plans on this team staying together. And I think that that is the right move. And I like what Brad Stevens has done here. The Kemba Walker thing, I think, was as much about the contract as it was anything. And, you know, again, trying to decipher the NBA cap and all this is like sometimes trying to decipher hieroglyphics. So as much as I like Kemba the player and think that he could have helped, if you need to get out from his contract, then you need to get out from his contract. Brad Stevens did that. He addressed it early. I also think he hired a guy who's a pretty good coach. And the reports come out over the weekend still. I see more and more people saying they like the hiring of Ime Odoka. And again, time will tell. Time will tell, but the traits are there. The boxes are checked. And people who know the Celtics like this hiring. 
It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox and Royals from Fenway Park. Sox need to keep the momentum. It's that simple. You have shown that you can beat your rivals. You have shown that you can get up for big games. Now can you get up for a team that is toiling in the middle of its division? That is, you know, has gone on lengthy losing streaks this year. Can you win a Monday game? Look, it's all fun and games. It's easy to get up when it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it's the Yankees. But can you get up when it's Monday and it's hot and it's the Royals? That's the challenge for this team is can they, look, they've shown they can play up to the moment. Can they also show that they're not going to play down to their competition? The Royals beat this team two out of three just a week and a half ago. Red Sox need to prove that they are better than that team that played in Kansas City. They played great this weekend. Now they need to keep the momentum going because this is a division that's going to be a battle all the way to the end. Sox were excellent this weekend. They need to continue it tonight and continue to play good baseball. All right, that will do it for us here on this Monday. Uh, thanks to all of you for texting in on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. Thanks to Jacob Grout for joining us. Thanks to intern Jack for kicking it as well. Red Sox Royals is next.